making a movie physically and mentally destroys you. You know, it just, it just does. It becomes such a labor of love that sometimes we neglect to look at it as a business. People lock into this idea that there is a correct way to do things. There's not. There's a million ways to do it. Video has become the most effective way to get people to do something that it is you want them to do. It's time for filmmakers to get real with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. You could you could come in like hello everybody and then leave a pause. I just created suspense. That's what today's episode's all about. <laughs> hello everybody. That's right. We just created suspense, and that's what today's episode is all about. Well, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about suspense today. Uh, we thought, you know, uh, occasionally that we should reveal some uh, suspense tricks because that's. That's sort of what I teach. Um, well, it is what I teach uh, when I go to workshops and film festivals and, and things like that. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the three basic steps of creating suspense today, both writing and directing. And that'll be a little bit later in the show. But uh, we just had our interview with William Dickerson. So what did you think? That was, uh, that was one of our best, I think. I enjoyed talking with him. I, I, I think the guy's brilliant to make these two films with basically no money. I did disagree with the, the music, he, the quote he said on 90s Uh-oh. was the only, I don't know, how, how did Will say it? The 90s was the best era for music because I love music from uh-huh. all eras. So uh-huh. um, sorry, Will, I disagree, but, uh, and, and, he, and he hurt my precious 80s. <laughs> That's right. Yes, well. All my I'm, Steely Dan albums, I gotta go cry over now. Oh, Steely, I'm so sorry. So that there's okay. I'm getting off my soapbox now. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's good to have you back on the show because you were gone for so long. Uh, speaking, gotta break of which, it up with all this. You know, we gotta break this up with all the smart stuff that you say. I gotta have the dumb stuff yes. that I say. Speaking of which, um, you are still working on the Gaffer Tape show, and yep. uh, we have secured the interview with the guy. Uh, so, and I'm excited about this because no other podcast in the history of podcasts has talked about gaffer tape. I don't think you are excited. Are you? Are you excited? I am. I, I, I am, I'm feigning excitement as best as possible. All right. (laughs) This is, uh, this is why we're here to help. Yeah. Well, my question for you is what are you going to ask him? What, what's the big, what's the big, uh, question that you want to know. What are we up to? Episode, are we, this is episode 34 now. Have you ever known me to plan that far ahead? (laughs) No. If I haven't planned that far ahead in 34 episodes, don't plan on it now. Uh, Trust me, it'll be brilliant. It'll, I guarantee you, I guarantee you people will come away with a little tidbit of information that they didn't know before. By the way, on an upcoming show, we're talking with Ben Yenny. The gorilla rep, he's going to be talking about different ways to finance your indie film. And he specializes in micro-budget films, so less than $250,000. Different ways to use uh, tax credits and uh, all of that sort of stuff uh, before you even start to talk to investors. And we're also going to talk about, you know, the process of, of, of getting investors. And he compares it to dating. So hmm. he's going to he's going to teach us about dating. Hmm. Well, I'm going to compare my gaffer tape to dating. <laughs> OK, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good place to take a break. And uh, 
It's about suspense today. We are going to dig deep into the art and craft of creating suspense in your film. And some things might surprise you. So shall we take a break and uh, get right into it? Let's do it. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. That's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at, creating suspense with a camera. For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch 20. That is uh, Radislav Dracovic, his rendition of The Funeral March of a Marionette, which is the theme song for our Hitch 20 series on YouTube, which is all about Alfred Hitchcock. And Forrest makes a frequent appearance on that show as a uh, filmmaker commenting on yeah. Hitchcock's work. Mm-hmm. We have three more episodes to do, by the way, so... Yeah, we'll we get should, to those at some we point. We should get to that, yeah. We should yeah, really, we should. Yeah. So our listeners are waiting in suspense for uh, the three steps to creating suspense. Yeah, I want to hear about them. And by the Go. way, that's a that's a misnomer that if you put if you keep somebody waiting that that's suspense, that's not really suspense. It's uh, not. No, keeping somebody waiting is not it, by itself inherently suspense. So just want to. Oh correct that uh falsity well now i've been corrected because i guess i gotta stop leaving my family in suspense every time i'm supposed to show up at their house on time well suspense is actually more about um making somebody want to reach in and change something that you're doing so perhaps uh, that happens in your family <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe they're wanting to change uh your decisions these yeah, I've seen decisions. a few hands up in the air, like they're going to reach in at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, the three steps to creating suspense, uh, pretty simple. Uh, step number one is to uh, share a secret with the audience, and this is this is this is you know this is the basic way to do it. I mean, there are other ways to do it as well. Uh, the the example that I use in my workshops is a is a kid on a treadmill. And he's, he's, you know, just, it's an odd, it's a treadmill that's, uh, that's powered. It's a self-powered treadmill. So he's trying to keep up. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, he kind of dances around on the treadmill and, and, uh, spins around and almost falls off. And at that moment where he almost falls off because it's a precarious situation anyway, we feel like, oh no, he's going to fall off. And that provokes within us the feeling of suspense because we want to reach in and save him from falling off of the treadmill. So that's the example I use kind of the basic uh, feeling that you feel during a suspenseful scene is that you, 
your instinct is activated that you want to reach in and, and stop something from happening. But of course, you can't do that because you're just a passive uh, viewer watching a flat screen. What, what if you wanted the kid to fall? <laughs> like if you're one of those people who watches YouTube videos to laugh at people. That's, that, that's like taking a suspenseful moment and then turning it into a laughable one. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't, well, no, I, but I got, now I got this kid running in my mind on a treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that kind of gets do anything to, about it. Right. Yeah, and ahead. that kind of gets to step three, which is the, the surprise twist. You do not want the kid to fall. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you do not want the expected outcome to happen. Um, and step two is close calls. So just to recap, step one is creating a secret with the audience, which that has little to do with the kid on the treadmill. But we'll get to that in a second. But the the setup, the precarious situation, that's step one. Mm-hmm. And then step two is you tease that uh, dangerous situation with close calls. That something bad almost happens or could very well happen and you create a situation where it almost happens but then doesn't, that's step two. But it's like gambling. It's called the near-miss effect. The -hmm. near-miss effect, where the gambler almost wins. He gets, you know, almost gets three sevens, but the third seven goes away, and he feels like he almost won, so he's that much more addicted. He thinks he's on a winning streak. Yeah. Um. If you create that feeling in your audience that they almost got caught, then that creates an addiction in your audience as well. And the uh, they'll hang on to find out more. Uh, that's what uh, that's the trick on uh, soap operas. Mm hmm. Is that things almost happen, but yet they never do. <laughs> and Yeah, they, they almost happen. And then got to wait till tomorrow. So now it yes. carries that suspense over, uh, you yes. know, a 23 and a half hour period. <laughs> And then step three is you expect it to happen, but something else happens instead at the last minute. A surprise twist. It's like a a magic trick when the magician has a coin in his left hand and makes you think it's in his left hand and then does a lot mm-hmm. of different kind of weird stuff and and then reveals that the coin is actually in the right hand and nothing mm-hmm. is in the left hand. That's the trick. That's... That's the excitement that you feel watching a magic trick, even though you expect it. You know you're going to be tricked. You know mm-hmm. the magician is going to trick you, but you have a, uh, a satisfaction that, that he was able to trick you. Mm-hmm. That's the same way that suspense works, in, is that the director has tricked you. And that's the satisfaction you get from, from the surprise twist. And Hitchcock said, the bomb should never go off. Mm-hmm. And what he meant by that is that if the bomb actually does go off, then, well, that's that's no fun because you expected it. So the bomb would be the secret that the audience knows in this in 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 a bomb, you know, a bomb under a car or something. Right. And the yeah. audience, that's the secret. But the character doesn't know that the bomb is in his car. So that's the suspense. We know it. He doesn't. So that's the so in, the, in your example of a kid running on a treadmill, what would the secret be like? Would it be like a tight shot of like a bearing wearing out that's it's about to break, and but the kid's running and we don't know it, but we know that's going to break, and then yes, it, he trips? Well, the kid doesn't know how much danger he's in, for one. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's happy. And yeah. where are the parents? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
suspense is an overall question about the situation. Like, will he fall? Mm-hmm. Um, will he get caught? Will the bad thing happen? Will the secret get out? Will the bomb go off? That's suspense. So you tease the audience around that question. Will the bomb go off? And then the answer, of course, is no. It won't go off. And that's the twist. Mm-hmm. And I think that feeling of helplessness as an audience member adds to that suspense because you're helpless and nobody really wants to be helpless. So it kind of makes you feel, um, you know, as I think about it, watching suspenseful things, it, it's a it's an uncomfortable feeling, but then it's satisfying in the end, usually. Yeah, and it's, it's, that makes it's, sense? It, it, it does make sense. It's it's creating a feeling. It's a frustration but it's what um, they, the film theorists call an entertained frustration. Yep. That it's a fun frustration. We love that feeling of being provoked to reach in. And anyone can use this in their filmmaking. If you're an indie filmmaker, if you have a scene and you want to add some suspense, oh, uh, he, he goes to the gym and works out on the treadmill. Kind of boring, but now if you add like, cutaways of uh you know the thing's gonna start burning or whatever yeah no i mean you can probably take any scene and make it because treadmill is obviously would be a boring scene to watch someone on a treadmill but now if you know you got a secret you know the bearing's gonna go and 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 the guy's gonna flop through the front of this treadmill out of the gym (laughs) that's about on a 10-story building with a glass front And you're like, oh, no, don't. (laughs) You can add some more elements to it. (laughs) The window's shaking (laughs) loose. The bearing's going to pop on the treadmill. (laughs) Like everything going wrong at once. Or the building's on fire and he doesn't hear the fire alarm because he has headphones on. So he's he's walking away on the treadmill when everybody else is running out of the building. And he doesn't know about it. It would be interesting. Be interesting to take a very boring scene and see what kind of suspense you could add to it. By yeah. using this, your three-step approach. And the secret doesn't need to be a bomb or, you know, a dead body or something like that. It could also be just a secret that a character is holding from the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, a common one is a pregnancy. You see that a lot in, uh, you know, yep. soap operas and whatnot. If someone is pregnant and they are afraid to tell everybody else. That can create suspense as well because you create close calls where that secret almost gets out to someone else that Mm -hmm. we don't want to find out. So it can be an event, a thing or some, anything. Right. And if the secret gets out, it changes everything, changes the Mm -hmm. plot, destroys the whole plan. And those kind of secrets, um, the best way to find them is to go back to childhood. The kind of secrets that a child would have, like hiding in a secret place, eavesdropping on adults, overhearing something and then uh, not telling anyone, or doing something wrong and being afraid of getting caught. You know, those those sort of simplistic things are really the best ingredients for suspense because they're universal. Everybody can relate to it at any age. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's truth. Because you think about even some things that adults do, and, and when you say, oh, that's childish, but it's also suspense. It is. Absolutely. I didn't steal your banana out of your lunch. Dun, dun, dun. What happened to the what happened to the ticking time banana? So that's true. I mean, that's that's a, that's a good scenario. I mean, that that works. Uh, you steal a banana from yeah. the office lunch refrigerator. Yep. And 
then the person comes along and says, where's my banana? Yeah. And the audience knows where the banana is. The, the audience yeah. knows the secret that this character has stolen the banana and he's hiding it. So that's yeah. suspense. And then you walk by um, his seat and there's a banana peel under his chair. <laughs> will he see it? Suspense because yeah. uh, will he get away with it? And then, there you go. He, and then you walk by, don't see the banana peel and you're like, Whew. unless you're voting for the guy who took the banana, then you're. <laughs> and the close uh, call depends is on that- who you're voting for. Is that the person that could see the banana and find out the secret gets really close to finding it, gets really close to seeing the banana peel. It's, you know, it's just right there. And the audience is like, why isn't he seeing it? He's going to see it any minute. Why Mm -hmm. isn't he noticing it? It's right there. (laughs) You know, and maybe he, (laughs) maybe he sees it. And, you know, and, and doesn't connect the dots, doesn't realize that's his banana. So a close call is very much about the victim being clueless mm-hmm. <laughs> and that being funny because that, that element of humor makes making us laugh and giggle in that moment of tension is, is also a part of it. That's what makes yep. it entertaining. I'm going to have to start watching movies with the uh, suspense eye to catch all the little things. Because sometimes these little things, they just go by you. But when you realize it, it was well done, yeah, well calculated for suspense. That's from a radio So what would, the, uh, what would the surprise twist be in the banana scenario? The guy, the surprise <laughs> twist would be the guy who ate the banana and then he saw the guy coming and he throws a banana peel under his chair. <laughs> and the guy walks by. Now he's like, I'm off the hook. He's such a dummy. The guy walks away and then he goes to stand up and he slips on a banana there peel and falls on the floor. And the other guy turns around real quick and sees a banana peel and the guy laying on the floor. That would be justice served. The end. <laughs> there you go. You could put a banana peel on your book cover. Well, as Steve Kaplan. Steve Kaplan. Yeah, yeah so we can't take that. Steve's ahead of you on that one. Yeah. Steve Kaplan's comedy book. So. Yeah, your book has, you have, I love the cover of your book, uh, Suspense with a Camera. All this information's in your book, isn't it? The book also covers camera techniques and uh, visual storytelling and those sort of things that kind of heighten the moment. Because the trick is to to really make the audience feel like they're actually in the room and and the whole thing is happening live. So you forget you're watching a recorded movie and you feel like you're live in the moment. And that's the key. Yeah. So we talk about all of that in the book and a lot more. A lot of these things that you uh, that we talked about on the Hitch 20 series, a lot of that is in the book as well. So so if you're yep. a big fan of that. It's a hefty book. Yeah. I remember when you were coming out with it, and I remember there was uh, some discussion on the cover. And I'm telling you, this cover <laughs> that you got, it just nails the book. It's got it, – it, when I look at this cover, I think of – uh, Grace Kelly. It looks like Grace yeah. Kelly. It's not Grace Kelly, but Grace Kelly, of course, was in Rear Window, and she was such a beautiful actress of the era. And then she became a princess, so then she stopped acting. But Grace Kelly, I, when I look at this cover of your book, it's like Grace Kelly's on a cover. It's really cool. And the reason it's called Suspense with a Camera is because it's the first book about suspense to actually address you know, filmmaking and, and, and visual storytelling, because there are a lot of suspense books out there that are about writing suspense in novels and things like that. Cause when I did research mm-hmm. about, you know, to write this book, I, I was looking at all the other books about suspense and they're all, they're all about just writing. 
And mm-hmm. this one really addresses the camera because the camera is your tool. The camera is your storyteller. And so it's impossible to to talk about Hitchcock without addressing his use of camera. So mm-hmm. that's where you get suspense with a camera. You did some cool breakdowns that I think would uh, for any filmmaker to I think a filmmaker, if they broke down the films the way you did, you you broke down uh, an Alfred Hitchcock presents called Dip in the Pool. And it's just a shot list, basically medium wide, medium wide. And when you visually see it, you know, I think that can help filmmakers like, oh, what kind of shots do I get? Well, if you look at this, it's just mediums, wides, and a few close-ups. Very limited type of shots, but he really uh, told a pretty good story in Dip in the Pool. If you've, been, if you've never seen that one, one of our Hitch 20 episodes, uh, we do a breakdown of Dip in the Pool. Really yeah. clever, really clever. But I like how you did that is all I'm saying. We were surprised and, by the results of that, actually, um, because we were trying to find out how many close-ups he used in his films because most of the storytelling and most of the emotion, that's all done in close-ups. Well, by picking apart shot by shot one of his episodes, just a random episode, by the way, nothing mm-hmm. special about that episode, we found that 90 93%, something like that, of the shots were just kind of standard medium shots. Just kind of, your, yeah. you know, nothing nothing happening kind of medium shots. So that's, that's shocking that only 3% of the film is close-ups. And I think as we go and, and do the same study in other Hitchcock films, I think we'll find the same thing, that... The close-ups are saved. They're 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 used very deliberately. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And he often said that if you overuse the close-ups, then they'll lose impact very quickly. Yes. I wonder if he did a huge difference between his TV stuff and his filmmaking and his you know theatrical release type of stuff, like to actually, compare them. That would be an interesting comparison. Well, actually, not much difference, um, as it turns really? out. Um, A lot of television back then were using a lot of really close shots because I think the the whole idea was that you want to create the feeling of a live, a life-size person in the living room with your television Mm -hmm. set. So they they framed them so that the face would be as big as a real face in your living room. Okay. Yep. But he he, he didn't do any of that. He was all very much still very cinematic. And you see that in a lot of the uh, episodes he directed. And you got to remember a television set back then. If you had uh, what was considered a large screen, that'd be like a a 27 inch diagonal. Yeah. So picture 27 (laughs) inches, turn it diagonal. That was a big screen. Like, like when I was a kid, we had a console TV that was a 27 and that was, that was your average large size TV. So uh, it's, nowadays the TVs are so huge. Uh, There's, there's TVs that take up like a whole wall in some people's houses. So Mm -hmm. it's changed the way that you shoot things in my opinion. And uh, Hitchcock, you know, was working with that medium of a very small screen on the TV shows. Everybody, anybody who did a TV show was working with a very small, something that would be very small in your living room. So uh, the the fact that he didn't use a lot of close-ups is kind of interesting. Me, yeah, uh, and know. there's a lot of resistance about that. There's a lot mm-hmm. of resistance. I, 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 I sense and I hear a lot of resistance when I teach this that 
the filmmakers today, they really, they want to use close-ups. They want to overuse close-ups. Yeah. And I think there's something to be learned from that. Filmmaking being an art, I, I believe people should and should do whatever they want with their film. But if you can look at open-mindedly, look at things that, you know, Hitchcock has done or, you know, even Quentin Tarantino gets a lot of slack sometimes for what he does, but he also gets a lot of praise. You know, he's so outside of the box from what is the standard type of filmmaking. You can learn, you know, learn the rules before you break the rules, I guess would be a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, a good thing to think about is how close when you're standing next to someone, um, how close is too close in proximity? Yeah. Um, yep. How close do you get before you feel uncomfortable? And yeah. that's a good rule of thumb. There is there is a too close when it comes to um, the actors on screen. And the more close you feel with them, the closer the bond is with that actor, then we accept a closer relationship at certain moments. And if he's the bad guy and you don't want to be close and then you put that person close, then it creates suspense, kind of. And makes you feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. And maybe that's what you want people to feel in that moment. Like the Halloween movies, you know, when Jason comes up close to the screen, it's like, oh, he's like right there. But see, that's a good example, because if you have a shot like that in your film where you want the audience to feel really uncomfortably close with the villain, then all of the close ups before that are going to dissipate that effect. True. So that if you've been really close with all the other characters and then you're close with the villain, mm, not so much impact. Mm -hmm. So it's this whole that idea of saving it. It's, it's saving it yeah. for the right moment. That's what it's about. So, yeah. 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 Well, you know, if somebody really wants to learn more, shameless plug. <laughs> Suspense with a I camera. To, yeah. All right. Get your book. I don't know. I, I, I like the book a lot, so. Well, thank you. But I appreciate it's that. Got all, it's got all the, it's got all cool stuff in it, so. All right, so there we go. So that's our uh, suspense lesson for today. Again, to recap the three steps of suspense. Step one, create a secret and share that with the audience. Step two, tease the audience with close calls about that secret getting out and creating an addiction in the audience. And then, and then you know, step three is actually providing closure and uh, a sleight of hand, a surprise twist. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Great information. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is created by Forrest Day Jr. And uh, folks don't realize that you also have a whole separate series on YouTube called Rolling Tape. Right. Produced by you. And it's also brought to you by Jeffrey Michael Bays, the author of Between the Scenes, what every film director, writer, and editor should know about scene transitions. And, of course, the much-talked-about Suspense with the Camera, a filmmaker's guide to Hitchcock's techniques. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Bye, Blondie. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is a production of Borges Networks, 2019.